Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Journey Through Sonship podcast. I am Calvin Calhoun Jr. And today I have a special message I want to share with you. And it's on understanding salvation. Why should I desire salvation? Why should I desire the Lord Jesus Christ? Why should I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? But so many people who say they are Christians or those who say they are sons of God, many people came into the body of Christ under the auspices of fire insurance. And what that means is that they came into the auspices of salvation because they feared going to hell. They feared going to hell. And don't get me wrong. If you reject God, you reject the message of Jesus Christ. Yes, you are. You will be condemned to hell. But let me say this to you. That was not the motivation of Jesus. Jesus mentions hell maybe once or twice in all of the gospels, but that wasn't his motivation for salvation. That was not his motivation for salvation. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the motivation for Jesus Christ and the gospel is love. It's not fear. That's why the Bible will also say that perfect love casts out fear. So let's look at the creation of man. And we're going to go on a little journey. I want everybody to pull out your Bibles. It's very important. And let's turn over to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Here we have the purpose, the purpose for the creation of man. The purpose for the creation of man. Everybody look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. All right, so when God created man, he created man as a three-part being, he creates you as flesh, soul, and spirit, okay? Your flesh is simply your housing. It's simply your housing. It's what allows you to function and to interact on earth. Let me say this one more time because this is why racism is so anti-Christ. It's because your housing, your housing is simply a building or a suit that allows you to function on the earth. You say, well, Calvin, well, why does so many people have looked so different? There's so many shades and different colors of people because it shows the beauty and the diversity of God. It shows the glory of God to know there are 6.9 billion people on earth. Neither one has the same fingerprint. As one passes away and one is born again, that person doesn't, God does not repeat a fingerprint at all. That is the glory of God. Your spirit is where you fellowship with God. It is where you are one with Holy Spirit, with his spirit. You receive wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, power, revelation. All those things are received in your spirit where you are one with Holy Spirit. And then there's your soul. Your soul is your free will center. It's your decision-making center. It is where you extrapolate and reason and make informed decisions based upon what you're, who you're listening to and how you're desiring to interact based upon the information you're receiving. It's your free will center, right? It's your free will center. So how did God intend for man to function in the earth? This is very important before we go into the garden. He intended man to function as this. Receive and fellowship with God from his spirit. The soul of the man was to blindly, listen to me, blindly follow the spirit. What do I mean by blindly follow? I mean, whatever God says, man believed it and did it. No questions asked. No questions asked. He blindly followed God. And I'm saying blindly for a reason because we're going to read the scripture and, and I'm going to tell you why. And then ultimately the decision in his soul to blindly follow the spirit would manifest the will of God, the will of God in the earth through his flesh. Let me say it one more time. Man fellowship with God, received instruction from God. His soul blindly followed the spirit in the man, right? Blindly followed it. And ultimately the decision to follow the spirit would manifest the will of God, 
the word of God in the earth through his flesh. So that when the creation looked at man, they saw the glory of God. They saw the glory of the father because the son is the accurate Adam. The son was the accurate representation of the father. I'm saying son for a reason. Everybody take a, a, a small little, little journey. Let's go to the gospel of Luke. I want to share this with you because I said something. I want to make sure we all understand why I said when he created Adam, he called him a son. Luke chapter three, you find this long genealogy of Jesus, right? When you go down to verse number 38, it says this, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. In other words, when God created man, his intention was that man was to be his child, to be his offspring, to be his son in the earth. And God would relate to man as his father. In other words, man would be the son, God would be the father. That's the relationship from the very beginning. God wanted to extend his rule through his sons in the earth. Where did God create man? He created him from the dust of the earth. He established him in the earth. He gave him what? Dominion. Genesis 1, 26, and let them have what? Dominion. Let them have rule. Man was to be like his heavenly father. He was called to represent him. And we take the word represent. We see two words, re and present. Re means again. Present means to display. So to display God again. Okay. So the glory of God would be seen from mankind. That's why when the angels look into the earth, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole what? Earth is filled with your glory. Why? Because the glory of God is seen through man. That was his intention. That's what God wants. So we can agree if that's what God wants in the beginning, what do you think it is that God wants in the end? He wants a man ruling and reigning in his image and his likeness on the earth. All right? Now, let's look at the let's look what the enemy does. Enemy comes in Genesis chapter 3. And let's start reading here. Remember I told you that the soul blindly followed the spirit. Let me help you. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, You shall not eat of every tree that's in the garden. So we know the serpent is the devil. Satan. That's who the serpent is, okay? It says this, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but, the, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Stop. Eve quoted back exactly the rule that God said to them concerning the garden. He said, You can, have, you can eat of any tree in the garden, but don't eat or touch of that tree that's in the midst of the garden, and that tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Listen to what the devil says. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Bam! Stop! The enemy says, You surely shall not die. There goes the deception. He knows that in the day that your what? Your eyes shall be opened. Now, now, hold on now. Let's stop for a second. I told you don't go fast. What eyes were open? What eyes were open? Well, we know they could see on the physical earth. So the physical eyes were open. Yeah, these right there. They, they were open. And then there were the eyes of the spirit were open because they fellowshiped with God. Remember I told you, but the eyes of the soul were closed for a reason. Why? Because the soul blindly followed the spirit. That is how they were able to rule and reign and be an exact representation of God on the earth. The enemy knew that. So he says, I've got to get them to reverse that order. 
I got to get them. I got to separate them from God. Look what he does. For God does know, verse 5, in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that's one, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, that's two, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, three, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Do you see that? It says, and their eyes were open. What eyes were open? It was the eyes of the soul. When they ate of the fruit of the knowledge of, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the eyes of their soul was open. So no longer, what did it say they do? They knew that they were naked and they sold fig leaves. So wait a minute, were they naked before? Well, if it says that they knew their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked, that means their viewpoint to who they were changed. It changed from being a spirit being in flesh to being a fleshly being. That was what happened. It says the eyes of the soul were open. No longer did the spirit rule over the soul. Now, because they sinned, and that's what sin is, is rebellion against God. When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost Holy Spirit. They lost Holy Spirit. They died immediately. Now you may say, but they're still talking, Calvin. Death is twofold. There is death of the physical body, where when you die, your physical body can no longer hold your soul and your spirit. Then from there, you, it's determination based upon if you believed in Jesus Christ or not. Your spirit, your soul, your spirit will go back to God, but your soul will either go to heaven or it'll go to hell. Okay? That's what would happen. But they died instantly because they became separated from God who was their life. When you become separated from God, that condition is called death. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, because of their sin, men were now appointed to die. Okay, your flesh was subject to time, meaning what you would get older and older and ultimately your flesh would give out to where it can no longer hold your spirit and your soul. And once that flesh gives way, remember, I told you, you had to have a body to function on the earth. When that flesh and that soul give way, I mean, I'm sorry, when that flesh gives way, the soul and the spirit got to go somewhere. The spirit came directly from God. So that goes back to God. But where your soul goes. That's the determination that needs to be answered. Now, let me say this to you. Once Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they came under the direct authority of two very, very powerful and demonic spirits. And those two spirits' name is death and hell. Okay, what do I mean? When man sinned, they lost Holy Spirit. Listen to everything I say right now, because it's so important to understand why Jesus came. He lost Holy Spirit, and now the spirits of death and hell, when someone dies, the spirit of death comes and arrests their soul, takes it to a spirit called hell, and puts it in a place called hell. That is what happens. That's what happens. Man could not be in the presence of God once he died because man had by sin separated himself from God. Now, let me say this to you. This is where the breach happened. Man was separated from his creator. Man could no longer represent God, could not be an accurate representation of God because of sin. Okay. It was because of sin. Now, fast forward all the fast forwarding through this. Look at verse number. He 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 quest, I'll I'll just sum this up. He quest, the first person he questions is Adam. He says, "Where are you?" 
Remember I told you they, they became, they, they no longer see themselves as spirit beings encased in flesh. They see themselves as what? Fleshly beings. So what did they do? They made what? Fig leaves. That's to cover up their nakedness. And a picture of fig leaves is an inadequate covering. When we try to cover ourselves, that's an inadequate covering. All right? He made himself fig leaves. And then what did they do? They hid from God. Y'all, think about it. That's what sin makes you do some real unique things. They're hiding from God. They made fig leaves for themselves. Now watch what it says. And they heard the voice of the Lord God, verse 8, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and Eve, what? Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. They hid themselves from an ever-present, omnipresent God. That is what sin does. It makes you fear. Man no longer knew God as father. They made everything that was once provided freely unto them. Now they felt in their soul that they need to provide for themselves and protect themselves. They need to, let me say it one more time. They need to provide for themselves and they need to protect themselves. That's the reason they made the fig leaves cover themselves and they hid in the garden. That's protection. That became man, that became man's imperatives for life. It was to provide for himself and to protect himself. This, my brothers and my sisters, those who hear this message, is the culture of an orphan. Why? Because Adam lost the ability to represent God as his son. That's why. So the culture of the orphan because of the sin of man is in the earth now. Now remember, what did man lose? Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this. In all that we have read up to this point, had you read any place where it says, Man fell from heaven. No. Do you know what happened? Man fell out of relationship with God because of sin. Please mark this point in the message at 17 minutes and 30 seconds. Man did not fall from heaven. Man fell out of relationship with God. By losing what? Holy Spirit. In losing Holy Spirit, he also lost the dominion. He lost that too. Because man apart from God means nothing. You, you're, without God, you mean nothing. You don't have a purpose. Because God created you. He said, I knew you before you were in the womb. I know why I created you. I know what your purpose is. I know what your destiny is. And apart from God, you have no purpose in creation. You need Holy Spirit. But man lost it because of sin. So everybody born after Adam was born into sin. Everybody born without Holy Spirit. They were born without Holy Spirit. This is why, if you read, you continue reading in Genesis chapter 3, it says what he asked everybody. He asked Adam, Adam, what, you know, where are you? Because he knew Adam was not in the position that he was supposed to be in. Adam said, look, God, that woman you gave me, she, it was her fault. Now, that, he threw her under the bus. He did. Asked Eve. Eve said, the, the serpent you, the serpent be, uh, tricked me and I ate. When he got to the serpent, he did not ask the serpent, uh, what did you do? He knew what the serpent did. But I want you to read what he says to the serpent, to the devil, to Satan. He said, this is what he does. Verse 15, he said, verse 14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all the cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shall thou go, and dust shall thou eat all the days of thy life. I will put enmity, enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head 
and her seed. Uh, it, I'm sorry. It shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel. What is the Lord talking about? Look, he says, he tells him, you shall eat dust all the days of life. Do you know what the dust is that the, that the devil loves to eat? Our carnal ways, our fleshly ways. That is what strengthens him. That's it. That's what strengthens him. Because this serpent in Genesis becomes a dragon in Revelation. How? He eats the dust. He eats the carnality. He feeds off of the sin of man. But look what he says. He says the, the seed of the woman. Now, anybody knows biology understands something. That women do not carry seeds. Women carry eggs. They carry eggs. They don't carry seed. Seed comes from what? The man. Right? That's what biology teaches. That's what God. But, he, but the Lord says this. He says, I will put enmity. There will be an, a, a fight, a war between what? Thee and the woman and between thy seed, the devil's seed, and the seed of the woman. What or who is the seed of the woman? Seeing that women do not carry seeds, they carry eggs. Who is the seed of the woman? The seed of the woman is Jesus Christ. It's Christ. That's the seed of the woman. And it says that he shall what? Crush thy head, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. What does he mean? When Jesus Christ comes, by being the perfect sacrifice for man in his sins, when he's resurrected, he shall receive all power in heaven and on earth and crush the authority, crush by stepping on his head. Everybody knows the way you kill a snake is what? Chop his head off. He crushes the head of the enemy. By being the perfect sacrifice for us. Oh, I'm ahead of myself. So, here's what God does. He sends the seed of Christ through, Abraham, through, through the lineage of Abraham and through this nation called Israel. Okay? The seed would go down through generation to another generation to another generation. Israel was the vehicle that God chose to bring the Lord Jesus Christ to redeem mankind from the fall in the garden. Let me say that again. The father used a nation called Israel as a vehicle to carry Christ until his birth. Right at the appointed time he would come into the earth. Everybody turn over to Isaiah chapter 9. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 9. Now all the prophets would prophesy about the coming of the Messiah, right? But let's look at Isaiah chapter 9. This is what the Father does. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. It says this, For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. This is so important. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it. And to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform it. So what is God going to do when he sends Jesus? He says what? What is he carrying? He says a child is born. Who is the child born? Jesus. A son is given. The giving of the son is at the baptism. I'm giving you this early before we get there. And it says, the government shall be upon his shoulders. When you have something on your shoulders, you're carrying it for someone else. What was it that Jesus was carrying for you and me? He was carrying the kingdom of God. In other words, he wants to restore to you 
the dominion and the rule that you lost in the garden because of the sin of Adam. He gives you the government. He's carrying it on his shoulders and you shall call him wonderful. The counselor, what? The mighty God. Anybody who tells you Jesus is not God is a lie because the Bible says the fullness of the Godhead dwelled in him bodily. Okay. The everlasting father, the prince of peace. Why is, it, why is prince of peace so important? Because the result of his rule, the result of Jesus Christ's rule destroys the works of the devil. Listen to me now. But what is he doing? He's carrying a government for you and for me. The government that he wants to give to you. It is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. To restore to you the dominion that you lost in the garden. Do you see why the message of salvation, the message of the coming of Jesus was not about falling from heaven. It was about getting back in relationship with God as his son and ruling and reigning the kingdom, ruling and reigning on the earth as his son. Oh man, look here. Fast forward to Jesus. Fast forward to Jesus. God perpetrates his seed and will come through. The angel will come down to Mary and tell her that the, the child that you're, I'm sorry, let me, let me back up to Elizabeth. The angel Gabriel comes to Elizabeth and tells Elizabeth she'll be with child. And this, uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias, I'm sorry, Elizabeth and Zacharias, and he shall be a prophet. And he shall come in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the disobedient to the wise to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And you shall call him what? John. Well, Zacharias, who was a priest, he was a priest, did not, did not believe. He didn't believe. And because of that, and because of the important nature that Zacharias was dumbed, he would, he would, his, his ability to speak was taken from him. And he was a high priest and he served in the temple. Of course, Zacharias and Elizabeth would give birth to John. And we know him as John the Baptist, right? Six months later, that same angel went to Mary and said, your son shall be called the son of the highest. That the son, the baby you're pre that you're pregnant with is the son of the most high. Jesus did not come through an earthly lineage. He came directly from the father. He did not come by Joseph and Mary having sex. Oh, no. No, God deposited Christ in Mary. How would the wise men know? They said they saw his star in the east. See, the, the wise men were astronomers, and they studied the stars. And in the stars, you have constellations, and you have three particular constellations. One is called Virgo. You have one that's called Draco. We know Draco is dragon. We know ultimately who that is. But Virgo, of course, would be symbolic of the Virgin, right? But that particular time period, there was a star called Coma Bernastesis that showed up in the constellation Virgo. It's the brightest star. I believe it's uh, Coma Bernastesis 88, I believe. And that how unique 88 is the beginning of what is, 8 is the number of new beginnings. And that star shines brightly in the constellation Virgo. And the wise men would follow his star, the desire of the ages. The shepherds would be told that the Messiah was here. He would be told by the angels and the angelic, and they would go and meet the Messiah. Mary would give birth to him and call him Jesus. Or as many people want to say, Yahashua, or Yeshua Amashiach. Okay, you want we can keep going with the names. But Jesus, he sends Jesus. Joseph and Mary had a responsibility to help bring Jesus up, raise him up, mature him. 
And God knew that Herod would try to kill him. He knew it. And before Herod could try to kill him, he God would uh, send an angel in a dream and tell Joseph to take him, take the baby and Mary and flee into Egypt to fulfill the prophecy that he calls his son out of Egypt. And he would go to Egypt. And in this time frame, Herod would have uh, many children at the age of two, many young boys at the age of around two and um, younger murdered, trying to kill the Messiah. Right. After Herod had died, God called Jesus, called Joseph, Mary and Jesus back um, into Israel. OK, ultimately, Jesus would come back. And then at the age of 12, um, Jesus was at the temple in Jerusalem and Jesus would then stay back. Now, I don't understand. Please don't ask me. I don't know. But Joseph and Mary start walking away from Jerusalem. I, I can't remember where they were absolutely headed. But after a day's journey, they realized Jesus wasn't with them. You didn't know your son was with you for a whole day. So they go back to Jerusalem. And Jesus, they found him at the temple. And Mary said, why would you do this to me? Why would you trouble us like this, Jesus? And Jesus asked them this question. Did you not know that I had to be about my father's business? So from the age of 12, Jesus would sit amongst the chief uh, scribes and the elders and learn of his father's business. I'm not talking about Joseph. He was talking about his father, God. So from the age of 12 to the age of 30, Jesus would learn, mature, and grow in wisdom and stature in learning about his father's business. And at the age of 30, everybody turn to Matthew chapter 3. I had to set all that up. Matthew chapter 3. Jesus would come around the corner and he would run into his cousin, John the Baptist, right? And Jesus ran to him and said, I need to be baptized of you. Now, John said, now, wait a minute. I need to be baptized of you because you're, you're greater than me. He says, no, let it be for righteousness sake. And the reason why, let me say this, the reason why, because John was a priest and Jesus was the lamb of God. And what the priest did as a part of the law was they were to wash the sacrifice. And Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for the sins of man. So that's why John had to baptize Jesus. And it says right there in Matthew chapter 3, verse, um, verse number 13, it says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. After Jesus was baptized, Holy Spirit, remember that? Remember Holy Spirit? Falls upon him. And the father looks down and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, this is what happened. Jesus goes off. Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness. Listen to me. Chapter four, Matthew chapter four. Immediately. It says, then Jesus was led up in the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. In other words, Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, 40 days, 40 nights is a picture of or a number of testing. 40 is the number of testing. Okay. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. So the enemy comes immediately. It says, if you be the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Why? Because Jesus should be hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days. Jesus, why don't you meet your need? You know you're hungry. 
Why don't you meet your need? Jesus says this, but he asked and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. Remember in the garden, what did Adam and Eve do? They, tried, they met their own need. Jesus comes and says, no, I live by the proceeding word out the mouth of my father. See the difference? But what was the question that the devil asked him? If you be the son of God. Then he says, and the devil takes him up into the holy city, sets him on the pinnacle of the temple, and says unto him, If thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord God. In other words, the devil takes him up to the temple, to the top of the temple. He says, Jesus, cast yourself down. Jump down. For you know that what? The angels have been given charge to catch you lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now, wait a minute. Jesus should know that. But why would Satan know that? Because Satan was an angel. What did Satan do? He tried to use this. He tried to use scripture to cause Jesus to fall. Jesus says you should not. Jesus knows that's what will happen lest he fall. But the devil was trying to get him to say, test God. If you be the son of God, why don't you test him? He doesn't have to test him. He's secure in his identity. And of course, then he says what? He says, and again, the devil takes him into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said unto me, all things will I give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. And Jesus, and Jesus said unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and only him shall thou serve. And Satan is an angel. Angels do not receive worship. They are all ministering spirits, Hebrews, Sent forth to serve those who are the heirs of salvation. That's the last verse in Hebrews chapter 1. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent forth to serve those who are the heirs of salvation? Who's the heirs of salvation? Mankind. Angels are called to serve God and man. They're not to receive worship. So, Jesus had to be tested. And because he overcame that test, and showed that he is the perfect sacrifice. Jesus would go on and teach that the kingdom of God is at hand. He would go out and preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The gospel, the good news, is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And for all those who believe on Jesus Christ, you shall not only receive everlasting life, but you shall also be restored to God back as his son. And also, guess what you get? You get the kingdom of God back. Yes. Yes, God sends his kingdom back to you. What does he do? He restores. Listen to me. He restores what was lost in the garden. To restore something is to put it back from where it fell. Listen to me. If this bottle of Motrin is sitting here and it falls off this microphone, guess what? If I'm going to restore it, I don't put it back on top of this shelf. That's not restoration. Restoration is to put it back exactly where it was. I put it back right here on the microphone. That's called restoration. Man did not fall from heaven. Man fell out of relationship with God as his son. So when Jesus came and he died, he shed his blood and he was buried and resurrected by his being the perfect sacrifice. It gives us an opportunity to all those that believe on him, that call him Lord, that believe that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. What does he save you from? He saved you from being under the kingdom of darkness and death and hell. He translates you from the kingdom of darkness and places you in the kingdom of God. He places you in Christ. He makes you a son again and he gives you the dominion back. <laughs> see, see, none of that says heaven. None of that. 
I am not advocating that. I'm just telling you, the goal of salvation is to be in Christ. See, why should I need him? Why do I want him? Because you're under the kingdom of darkness. You were born in sin. All of the hell you've been through. All the bad decisions you make, yet you are still here. Why? Because the Lord is loving and merciful and wants to give you an opportunity to receive him. You ask me, how do you be saved then? How can I be saved? He says, repent first. You got to repent of your sin. You got to repent of your sin. You got to be sorry for the sin that you committed against God. Then he says, all you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. That means you got to believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And you must believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He says, thou shall be saved. For unto salvation, your, your mouth confesses him as Lord. Your faith in believing him that God raised him from the dead is unto salvation. That is how you're saved. Why should I want to be saved? Because I don't want to be under the kingdom of darkness. I don't want to be uh, a child of the devil. I know my life means something more. I know that God has a purpose and a plan for me. I want to know the heart of God for me. I need to know what he thinks about me. Come into the house of God. Believe on Jesus Christ and the heart of the Father will reveal it. He translates you. He moves you from under the kingdom of darkness where you will you be subject to death and hell and moves you into the body of Christ. That's why then when you die, because it's all been appointed for man to die once, but there will be a generation on the earth that shall not see death. But when you die, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In other words, if you die in Christ, immediately, once that body can no longer hold your soul and your spirit, your soul and your spirit is immediately translated into the presence of God. Yes, heaven. See, heaven is a byproduct of salvation. Now, if you reject God, you reject the message of salvation, you reject that Jesus is Lord, then yes, you're condemned to hell. That is true. Absolutely true. But the motivation, the driving force behind salvation is not hell and heaven. It's being reconciled back to God as his son. He wants his sons. He wants you to come back and listen to me. God loves you beyond measure. He's patient, merciful, compassionate. He's very compassionate. And he wants you to receive salvation so that every person that's born again is a child of God. That's why the Bible would say as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may what? Grow thereby. Let me tell you why it's so important to understand that salvation is about being brought back to God as his son. About being born again. Why? Because after you receive salvation, you got to grow up. Because you know what happened? God moved you from under the authority of the devil to the authority of God. But guess what he has to work on then? Your mindset. Remember, we still have the issue of the soul being over the spirit, right? So when God saves you, he gives you Holy Spirit. The role of a spiritual father and a pastor is to help you do this. Wham! Get your soul to follow the Spirit. Follow the Spirit how? By hearing the voice of the Father. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. You can't obey God unless you hear him. But you've got to submit your will and your way. Submit your will your way. To the rule of the spirit. 
that's what maturing in Christ is all about. Because when you make that transition, guess what? You're now living from the spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, it says those who are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Matthew chapter 5 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. In other words, when you're saved, God calls you his son. This is the motivation for salvation, is to restore what was lost back to you, to restore you back to the family of God, restore your citizenship, restore your rights as a son in God's family, to give you back the kingdom. That's why Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because that was the government that he was carrying on his shoulders for you, because when Adam and Eve sinned, they became under the governance of the kingdom of darkness. God had to save you. God wants to save you from being under the rule of Satan and death and hell to being under the rule of his dear son, Jesus Christ. This is what salvation is all about. Now listen, when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, and I pray that you do after this message, God fills you with his spirit. Ask God to show you who, or if you don't have a local household, who is your spiritual father? Who is the one that God has sent you to help bring you into maturity? Because the Bible says, the Bible says in Psalm 68, he puts the lonely in families. He puts you in a family. So despite all the hell and the confusion and the turmoil and all this mess that you've been going through, God gives you a higher order of even family. He puts you in his house. He, he pairs you up with a spiritual father, the pastor to help watch for your soul, to help you mature, to help you develop your relationship with your heavenly father, that you may grow thereby. Because Jesus says, those who do the will of my father is my brother, my mother, and my sister. Those who do, you can't do the will of God if you don't know. And the only way you can know the will of God is that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, and be, not trans, and be transformed um, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. This body no longer belongs to you when you say Jesus is Lord. It belongs to him. He says, present it as a living sacrifice. Why? Present it so that he may speak through you and you may hear the voice of the Father and do exactly what he says. And when you do that, the glory of God is seen in the earth. This is why the gospel is good news. Because he says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things, your past, all the things you've gone through, all the stuff you thought you were, all the demeaning things that were ever said about you, all those old things are dead. They're passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Why? Because you're a newborn babe in Christ. Oh, yes. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. To wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ. God was in Jesus reconciling the world to to himself. In other words, see, he didn't even say, I'm reconciling you back to heaven. I'm reconciling you back to myself. I'm bringing you back in fellowship with me. I want to tell you my heart. I want to tell you what I know about you, who I created you to be. I pray that you receive Jesus Christ tonight. All you have to do is repent. Of your sins. Ask the Lord to forgive you for your sins. And confess that Jesus is Lord. I know he's Lord. 
I want to make Jesus Lord and Savior. And then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says, thou shall be saved because you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. No other name can man be saved but by Jesus Christ. And when you're saved, you're born again. You are a son of God. And God will nurture you and mature you in a family. Despite whatever your earthly family situation was, God's going to give you a spiritual family. And they're going to focus and love you the way that God loves you. And they're going to help bring you to maturity. To bring you to the measure, the fullness of the stature of Christ. They're going to teach you of the ways of the Lord. That you may accurately represent him in the earth. See, oh man, there's so much to say. So much I can keep saying about the goodness of God. Because I know how he changed me. I'll never forget the time I knew I was going. I wanted him. I understand so much more now at the age of 45. And I'm sharing it with you. Come to Christ. Get from under the kingdom of darkness. And come into your God-given destiny as a son. You don't have to sit and wallow in that mess. You don't have to accept all this confusion. You don't have to normalize the chaos. Let God stick his hand into your life and stop the chaos and bring you into a purpose and a destiny of which fits you. No longer being burdened and carrying around yokes and burdens that don't fit you, that's causing you to bleed out, that's causing you to lose life. No, the kingdom fits you perfectly because it was created for you. You were created to administrate God's rule in the earth. And let me tell you something, heaven's a byproduct, but when the Lord returns, my God, he's going to bring everybody in heaven back out. That's why I said, don't make heaven the goal. Heaven, You're going to get heaven if you get saved. You'll get it. But Paul would say, I want to be found in him, in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own. I love you dearly. And those who hear this message, please harden not your hearts. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ. If you need to know about salvation, any more about it, hit me up in the DMs. Hit me up in the comment section. Those of you who know me. Reach out to me. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Spotify. I'm on all those places. You can find me. But rest assured, the goal and the motivation of salvation is to bring you back in relationship with God as his son and let him give you. The Bible says it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. May God bless you. Till we meet again on the Journey Through Sonship podcast. May God bless you.